Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode on our PrepCast. This podcast is dedicated to MBA and master's orientation and preparation. My name is Martina, you know me very well. And my guest today is Ellen Lollis. You have heard her name and her voice in our previous episodes. Um, I will leave link to them here in the description. Ellen, hello, and thank you for your time. Yes, of course. It's a pleasure always to, to be here, Martina, and thank you to everyone um, listening today. Thank you. Um, of course, you can visit Ellen's website. Uh, you can find there uh, all, of, all, all that you need for your MBA admissions consulting. So yes, feel free. Um, today, we are going to uh, talk about everything you need to know about MBA letters of recommendation. So if you want to uh, listen the best advices, please stay till the end of this episode. And let's start with the first question uh, today. Ellen, what role do actually letters of recommendation serve in the process of MBA? Yeah, so um, letters of recommendation are really, really important um, as part of the application process. So I know for international students um, who have not necessarily gone through um, an application process like this before, it can be a little confusing. You know, for example, a lot of our clients, they just take an admissions exam um, and then you get into university or you don't. <laughs> um, and that's that. Um, for the U.S. schools um, and for MBA programs in general, however, um, they do require letters of recommendation, usually two. Um, and the letters of recommendation are essentially there to gain an outsider's perspective of you as a candidate. So what are your strengths? Um, what are your weaknesses? How do you respond to feedback? Um, how do you compare to other people that they've managed? What do they kind of see as your potential? Um, so they're really designed to give the admissions committee almost an objective view of who you are and what you bring to the table. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, giving uh, some direct points to this first question. And um, actually, who should write them? <laughs> That's uh, the question that we have usually <laughs> received. I guess that you have answered it plenty of times. But yeah. <laughs> it's a good question, though, and there's it's um, always interesting to go yeah. through and build a strategy for that. And that's something that I would say. Um, you know, the advice that we'll give on the podcast today is definitely general advice, but every situation is so unique when it comes to letters of recommendation um, that it's really important to think about how this applies to you. Um, but in general, um, you're going to be required to write two letters of recommendation. Um, if you're a full-time MBA applicant, um, those are two professional letters. If you are a deferred admissions or a deferred MBA applicant, you're in your senior year of college applying to go in two years, um, a lot of times they will ask for an academic letter from one of your professors. Um, and if you're applying for a dual degree, maybe a master's of public policy, master's of business administration, you might also be required to send an academic letter, but let's just focus on the full-time regular MBA <laughs> to keep things simpler. Um, so in general, you're asked to send two letters. Um, they both need to be professional in nature. The first one, we almost always recommend um, your current boss. So the person that knows you the best, um, the person who manages you on a day-to-day -day basis, 
Um, they have gone through, um, you know, multiple phases of your career with you. Um, so that can be something um, that really, really helps the admissions committee um, see, you know, who you are and what you're all about. Um, the one kind of caveat to that that's pretty important is if you're a consultant, um, you know, if you're working on a lot of different projects, maybe, you know, I was talking to a client this morning, she's worked on two month projects her entire career. Um, potentially you'd like to talk to somebody from your last project instead of the current project that you're on or two projects ago. And that's perfectly appropriate. Um, you know, they're, they were your direct manager. Um, they are in a sense, your current boss and considering how quickly you run through um, bosses, so to speak, that that can be appropriate. If you work outside of consulting, though, it's going to be that person that you report directly to. Um, and then the second letter of recommendation can come from someone else. Um, that can be someone within your current organization. Um, that can be somebody from a previous job. In certain cases, depending on your story, that can also be someone that maybe um, manages you on a social impact project. They're maybe on the board of directors and you work directly with them. Um, so that second person is really designed to complement the letter that comes from your current uh, supervisor. Great, thank you. And how? Uh, they actually choose an MBA recommender. What is the easiest way? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first thing, again, look at your current boss. I would say, um, you know, there's a couple of reasons potentially why you wouldn't tell your current boss, and we'll talk about those um, a little bit later. But um, look at your current boss as kind of the first person. Um, then second, think about who's the best person to complement that. So um, what are some stories that you might want to tell that your current boss doesn't know about or didn't manage you on? Um, or do you maybe want to have somebody more senior in the organization talking about how you're very involved in the company's um, upper level decision making? Um, do you maybe want to have somebody from your previous job um, that's, you know, maybe right now you're um, a consultant, but before that you worked in um, investment banking and your career goal is very related to investment banking or finance. Um, so you want to show that side of yourself as well. Um, you really want to think about how do we complement that base or anchor letter from the current boss? Um, what additional characteristics do we want to share? Um, and who's somebody else who's a big supporter of yours? You don't want to choose somebody who's going to say the same thing <laughs> um, as, your, as your first recommender. Um, it's not that you're going to get in trouble for that or penalized, but there's so um, such a small amount of space in the MBA application that it's very much a wasted opportunity um, to share something about you. Additionally, um, you don't want to just choose the CEO of the organization um, just because he's the CEO. You want to choose somebody who knows you, who can speak about you with specific examples, um, can share, you know, personal insights into why they think that you're um, exceptional, you know, just because you know, I don't know, Bill Gates, <laughs> it's a friend of your friend of your dad's doesn't mean that it's going to be a good letter of recommendation. Um, you definitely want to choose people who know you um, well. Along those lines as well, you don't necessarily just want to choose someone because they went to one of the schools that you're applying for. So um, you know, I'm applying to Wharton. Let me ask this person um, who went to Wharton in um, you know, 10 years ago and we've never spoken before to write my letter of recommendation. That's not going to be a strong letter. Um, it's not going to sell you. It's not going to talk about anything positive about your profile. 
um, except for like, hey, I went to Wharton and he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> and that's not a great um, use of that space, strategically speaking. Um, the caveat to that can kind of be, you know, if you have two options and um, one is, you know, amazing, 10 out of 10, absolutely loves me, awesome examples, didn't go to Wharton. Another person, nine out of 10, great examples, maybe not exactly quite as perfect as the other one, but went to Wharton. Okay, in that sense, you know, yeah, use the one that went to Wharton. They can mention why you're a good fit for the community. Um, so really think about, you know, is are you compromising quality just to, to go with an alum? Um, the schools do not expect that you've worked for people from their university. Um, when you join a company, there's no way that you can know who your supervisors are going to be throughout your career, where they've done business school. So it's not an expectation um, from the schools that you will have a letter from someone you worked with that went to their school. Awesome. Thank you. And maybe sometimes um, the situation do not allow to the applicants to uh, share with their current boss that they are applying. Uh, what will be your advice in this uh, situation? Yeah, that's a, I always feel for those applicants because it can add a lot of stress <laughs> to the process about kind of keeping things under wraps um, with a project that takes up so much of your time. Um, but that's a situation that we face a lot. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, types of companies or organizations that maybe are not super MBA friendly. Um, or, you know, they might be MBA friendly, but it's going to mean that you don't get a promotion or you don't get a bonus this year. And obviously nobody wants to, to lose out on their bonus. Um, or, you know, that maybe cuts are coming up or the organization is going to scale back. And if you let them know, you, you're maybe thinking about leaving, you might get, get, you know, laid off or something. There's a lot of reasons, um, why you might not want to tell, um, your current recommender that you're applying and that's okay. Um, you have a couple of solutions that you can use, um, and every, of course, every situation is a little different, but two that are usually pretty good are, is there someone who has managed you within the organization that maybe doesn't work there anymore? Um, you know, maybe they left three months ago and now they work at a different company, but they worked with you for a year and a half or something like that. Um, that can be a great way to get a perspective from your current organization without <laughs> spilling the beans. Um, and also you can then look at people from your previous experiences. So um, I wouldn't recommend, you know, going back six years or four years or something like that. But if it's a relatively recent experience and you've got good examples, you could also think about using someone um, from a previous organization. Um, if you do decide not to use your current boss, I do suggest that you write an optional essay or include it in an optional essay if you're already writing one for other topics. Just mentioning why you didn't tell them and why you chose the person that you did, why you think that they're um, good in terms of sharing certain types of information about you. So just make sure that if you don't use your current boss that the school understands why. Um, but again, as long as you have a good reason, um, then there's no problem. One other reason I just thought of <laughs> is if you haven't been working with that person for very long, um, you know, maybe your boss changed two months ago. So your current boss hasn't really had the chance to work with you. It's okay to ask your previous boss as well. Um, but again, just explain that briefly in the optional essay, you know, this person's only managed me for two months. So I feel that my previous direct supervisor has much better insights into my strengths and candidates or strengths and weaknesses as a candidate. Awesome. And uh, talking about who you should ask for um, a letter of 
of recommendation. Let's mention here who you shouldn't also um, ask. So uh, can friends, family members or peers write letters of recommendation um, and who you shouldn't ask for this? Yeah, um, this can become an issue if you work in a family business or you're an entrepreneur. Um, sometimes these can be challenges that you, you find yourself facing. Um, in general, you know, friends and family members know. Family members know. <laughs> um, you just don't want to do it. It's just, it's not going to be taken seriously as a letter of recommendation. Um, obviously, the understanding is that this person's not very objective. Um, your dad's not going to write that you're not a very good professional. So it kind of taints the letter in terms of, you know, how genuine is this letter about this person's performance? So family, no. Um, leave family out. Friends um, as well, not a good idea. Um, you know, there can be a few exceptions. Um, some schools like Chicago Booth, for example, have what they call shape the class. Um, this is an additional kind of system where you can write small recommendations for people that you know that are applying. Um, so if your friend's a current booth student and maybe you guys volunteer together or it's a friend from work, that's a perfectly appropriate place to have them go in and make one of those shape the class recommendations for you or, you know, London Business School has a very similar system. But to write your main formal letter of recommendation, not a good idea. Um, in terms of peers, um, if you are the founder of an organization um, or you're the you know, C-level, a peer can maybe potentially be an option. Um, you know, if you're COO and you ask your CEO to write a letter of recommendation, you know, technically you're kind of in the peer category, um, that can work just because of the nature of your relationship. But if you're a, um, an associate and you ask another associate to write your letter of recommendation, um, even though you might have a close relationship, it's not probably going to be the most quality letter. Um, and that's just because they lack a little bit of that seniority, that perspective that we like to see, and they're not in as much of a direct management role. They're not as responsible for your deliverables. Um, having somebody who's been in the market for you know, 15, 20 years who says, listen, this is why this person is amazing. I've seen people um, be good at it, but here's why he or she is even better. Um, here's how they go above and beyond. That's going to carry a lot more weight than somebody who's your peer where we collaborated and, you know, we worked on this together um, and they weren't necessarily responsible for your deliverables and didn't have that view. So um, peers can work occasionally, but in general, I would say look for people who are more senior than you, who you're not related to. <laughs> Great, thank you so much. And uh, maybe let's uh, give more details here. How does the process actually work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it can be kind of mysterious <laughs> to a lot of people about what's going on here. <laughs> um, so you can request a letter of recommendation at any point, right, from um, somebody that you'd like to recommend you. So essentially what we suggest is, first of all, deciding, you know, what schools you're going to apply to, how you're going to position yourself, what kind of stories are you going to tell um, in your applications so you can understand, you know, first of all, choosing the right people. Um, so, you know, I really want somebody to focus on this project that I did. I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. 
Um, and then it doesn't talk a lot about my quant abilities. So maybe I'm going to have this letter of recommendation where I did a lot of really quant heavy um, projects and uh, those will balance each, out, balance each other out nicely. Um, then of course, you know, approaching these people plenty of time in advance <laughs> um, to ask if they will write your letter of recommendation. Um, you know, if you're in constant contact, that can maybe just be um, you know, a call or a text. It really depends on your relationship. If it's someone that maybe you haven't spoken to a within a while, I don't know, maybe have a coffee or something like that to uh, refresh the relationship a little bit. There's no right way to answer if it needs to be in person or via email or whatever. Um, but I would usually suggest, you know, here's what I'm doing. Here's my plan for the MBA. Um, you know, it would be an honor to have you rec uh, recommend me. Here's a couple of reasons why I chose you. Um, and then just kind of running through a little bit about their expectations. So um, here's the number of schools that I'm applying to. Um, here's the questions that the schools are going to be asking. Um, you know, you can find those online when you um, look at the letter of recommendation section on most of the school's websites. There's also resources on our website that have those letters um, for you to, to review. Um, so letting them know, you know, here's what you're going to be expected to do. Here's the questions you're going to need to answer. Here's the deadlines. Um, here's how you're going to submit. Really just walking them through step by step so they know what they're getting themselves into. Um, that can also be really helpful then planning timelines with them. Um, and that would definitely be kind of the end of that conversation is, okay, awesome. You know, what can I do for you? Do you want me to send a copy of my CV? Um, would you like me to send you my essays maybe so you can look at what I'm saying? Um, do you want me to send you the questions so that they can have all of the resources that they need? And then potentially, you know, establishing a deadline. Um, if the letters are due September 1st, <laughs> maybe don't say submit September 1st. Um, again, they're doing you a huge favor. Um, so they're not going to be as motivated to do this last minute <laughs> for you as you might be uh, motivated to do it for yourself. Um, so I would say, you know, have them ideally submit about two weeks before the deadline, you know, if they want to do it sooner, even better. Um, but just making sure that that's clear. And then of course, you know, don't, don't be afraid to follow up during out the, during the process. So, um, you know, maybe you've asked them today and then a month from now, Hey, you know, I just wanted to check in. Um, do you need anything from me? Um, you know, I know we mentioned an August 1st deadline. Is there, are we on track for that? Um, and then just really making sure that they have all of the support that they need. Um, I do not suggest, again, asking them last minute. I think it's a bit rude. Um, doesn't respect their time. <laughs> um, it also doesn't uh, tend to lead to a good letter if they're going to write it, you know, in an hour because the deadline's coming up soon. It's obviously not going to be the world's most thoughtful <laughs> um, letter. So that's generally kind of how the process works. They do need to submit the letter of recommendation before um, the deadline. So if the deadline is September 1st, all of those need to be in by September 1st. Um, you will you'll register your recommenders in the online application form. So, you know, if you go to the Kellogg website, you open a new application, there's a tab that says recommenders, you'll put their name, their email address, and they'll receive an email with a link to submit their letter. Um, that email address should be their professional email. Um, again, just to make sure that it is authentic. Um, you're not creating a, something and not saying that you guys would do that, but you know, just to make sure that no one does to, uh, you know, my boss at gmail.com and you send your own letter <laughs> on their behalf. You know, there's always questions if it's not a professional letter of recommendation. Um, so making sure that you have that, they'll receive that email, they'll click the link, submit the letter, and you should receive a notification that it has been submitted on your behalf. 
that will then go into your, um, your application and the schools will take it under review when they start to look at whether or not to call you to interview. Awesome, thank you uh, for answering this uh, question as well. And um, I believe that uh, a lot of uh, applicants are wondering what should actually be included in this letter of recommendation? What should the recommenders say? So could you please uh, give them some um, advice uh, about this and what are some of the details that should be included in the letter of uh, recommendation? Awesome. And this is, I think, a place where it's really important to work together with your recommender um, and really let them know what kind of profile you're presenting, um, what examples, you know, you might like them to discuss. Um, it's perfectly appropriate, you know, to send them a list of bullet points of things that you're very proud of, that you've worked with together, that you feel may be good content for the letter. Of course, we'll um, leave it up to them to decide <laughs> what makes it in. Um, but generally what works well is answering two key questions. Some schools have a few more, but it generally centers around two. One is what are the candidates' strengths and how do they compare to other candidates of similar you know, levels? Um, and also what are, what's an area of feedback that the candidate re received and how did they respond? Um, for all of those, you want to include a lot of detail. Um, you don't want to say, you know, he's an amazing team player and he's really good at leadership. Um, you know, it's, you're not going to read a letter where someone says he's bad at leadership, most likely if you've chosen well. Um, so what do you mean he's good at leadership? How did he demonstrate that? You really need to prove it to me. Show me what you mean so that I believe you. Um, so what you want to do for, for the strengths category is think about, okay, what are some of my key projects and what are some of the key characteristics that, um, those projects show about me? So maybe it's that I'm very good at, um, de delivering data-driven solutions. Maybe I'm very proactive. Um, maybe I'm very, very good at networking. Um, you know, a lot of those kind of characteristics, but you want to back them up with examples. So, um, you know, she's really good at networking. Um, we were having this issue. We couldn't get this deal done, but she reached out to someone in her network, was able to schedule a meeting with the CEO, um, got all of the data that we need, pitched our project. Um, you know, the, this contact was very, very happy. And in the end, we closed a $10 million deal or something like that. Um, so that's something that is definitely, sorry, my, my husband's supposed to be taking care of them. Um, so um, that's something that um, is, is really important to uh, use very specific examples and very specific instances that, that show those characteristics. So we call them star stories, situation, task, action, result, walking them through step-by-step step what you did. Um, then for the feedback question, um, you wanna make sure to include something that's a very specific point of feedback. So this is, shouldn't be a laundry list of, you know, he could do a little better at this and she could do a little better at that. And, you know, maybe be a little bit more active in meetings, but also this, but also that really it's good to focus on kind of one area of feedback and go through, you know, here's a situation where I identified that this was an area of feedback that they needed to receive. Um, here's how I presented that issue to them and how we discussed it and worked through, uh, you know, maybe an improvement plan or what steps they could take. And then here's how I witnessed them improving on that in the future with a small example um, that demonstrates that they kind of learned that lesson. So um, it's very important to, I guess, align with your recommender. What, which of the stories might be interesting to mention? Which characteristics would you potentially like them to highlight? And really reinforce for them that using examples um, that go through a lot of, you know, start beginning, middle and end 
um, are important, but also showing the result on the organization is really helpful. Um, if it helps you land a big deal or reduce um, inefficiencies by 25% or something like that, make sure that that result shows up in the letter as well. Great, thank you. And uh, will the applicants get to read the letter? No, <laughs> um, the, they are meant to be private. They're meant to be um, to kept just between your recommender and the admissions committee. Um, they ask you to, of course, sign a waiver when you recommend, when you register your recommender in the application saying that you did not write your letter of recommendation in part or in whole. Um, and that's really to give your, your recommender the space that they need to talk openly and frankly about you. Um, so they don't feel like they have to say certain things um, and can really just write something more genuine about you. Um, a lot of people can panic about that, that they don't know what they're going to say, and maybe they say something bad, and I don't know. Um, but I would say as long as you choose recommenders that you really trust, um, you work through the process with them, uh, kind of let them know what to expect and give them plenty of time to do what they need to do, um, you should have excellent letters of recommendation and can rest assured that um, they'll be there to support your, your process. Awesome. And um, maybe let's uh, finish uh, this uh, podcast episode with um, how do they submit, actually? Yeah, so this is kind of, again, a question that we get a lot. Um, so you're going to need to register them in the online application form. So again, kind of going to the school's website, click, you know, start my application. And then on usually the left-hand side, there's a tab that says recommendations or recommenders. Um, you'll then put their name and their email address and click you know, send to recommenders. And then the school system will generate an automated email with a link that's unique to that recommender um, where they will then click that link and send their information. Um, there are usually some boxes that they need to check uh, to rate you on certain characteristics. You know, how strategic are you? Um, are you a good team player? Usually it's on kind of a one to five scale. Um, so they'll need to click through those and, and rate you on those. Um, then they will also need to either answer the questions in text boxes or upload a PDF. Um, in general, we would recommend that you advise your recommenders to upload a PDF. Um, it's easier. There's no risk of them accidentally copy and pasting the same answer twice or it getting cut off or something because they're in a hurry. Um, so it's it's usually a good idea to make sure that they upload a PDF if they don't want to or, you know, in INSEAD's case, they can't copy and paste is fine. Um, and then they'll click submit. Um, they should receive a page after that that says, thank you. You know, your recommendation has been received. And you should get an email, an automated email from their system, letting you know that it has been submitted on your behalf. Um, that's all that you need to do. Um, that'll be all that they are required to do um, at that point. Um, and so it should be pretty easy. Of course, if they have any trouble, um, there is a helpline or usually an email that people will send um, directly to the schools. You know, if they can't track it down, you can help them find it on the school's website and they can send an email to receive assistance. Um, or if you're, you know, a lot of times this happens at banks, 
they have a pretty strict um, filter for emails. And because there is a link where you can make an upload, um, a lot of times those get blocked. Um, so if you, you know, they say, hey, I still haven't gotten the link and you resend it, you can go into the application and click resend the link. Um, if they still don't get it, again, have them reach out to the schools using that help um, link or that, that, that um, email address uh, so that the schools can help them directly. Um, you shouldn't have them uh, submit from their personal email <laughs> when that happens. Again, that's not a good idea, um, but they can reach out to the school and the school will provide a solution for them. Um, the number one thing, again, too, here is give yourself plenty of, of advance, um, give them plenty of time in advance to do this. You know, if the deadline's in an hour and they realize that the link hasn't come through yet, um, that's obviously not going to be <laughs> an ideal situation. So uh, again, a good reason to submit in advance, just in case there's any uh, troubleshooting that needs to be done, but it's pretty rare that things like that do happen. Awesome. Ellen, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening today. Um, Ellen, thank you for being our guest and for giving this uh, best answers uh, to these questions. I believe that uh, uh, we helped a lot um, to everyone that is about to um, uh, choose maybe who to be their recommender. So uh, yeah, I believe that we helped a lot. Uh, again, I want to remind everyone uh, to visit Ellen's website. You can find a link here in the description of this podcast. So feel free to visit it. And of course, you will find links to our um, website as well, unimyprep.com, where you can find all of the materials um, that will help you in your MBA journey. Uh, Ellen, thank you one more time. Of course, of course, it's my pleasure. Always nice to be here with you. Um, to everyone applying, good luck. Um, and if, of course, you need any help kind of determining who are the best recommenders for me, how should I guide them, you know, reach out to us. We would be happy to help. Great. I, I want to remind um, again um, all of you to um, stay up to date with uh, our podcast because we have a series of episodes with Ellen, so you will hear her voice uh, a couple of times. <laughs> so yes, uh, stay tuned for more and good luck to everyone. Perfect. Thanks, Martina. Have a good day. Bye for now.